Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you, and, and thank you for coming to Rivers of Living Water. I'm your host, Howard Eugene Wright, as you've heard, and today we want to be talking about the role of the church in bringing about real peace and joy and the things that everyone wants. The church needs to lead the way, and we haven't done that. We've fell for about everything that comes around, and as a result of that, the church has lost its place in society. Many times what we do, we just go through the ritual and we walk out the same way we came in. That isn't what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church is to be the salt and the light of the earth. Jesus never meant for the church just to go through a few rituals, act like pretty much any other religion. As a matter of fact, Christianity is not basically a religion. Christianity is a relationship. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's That relationship is through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in the heart and life of a Christian. And you can tell that by the way that they act. You have people calling themselves Christians today, and they act everything except Christian. And that's not much of a help to the world, is it? A church, in order for it to be effective, must stand out from the rest of the world. And if we're ever going to do anything for anyone, we're going to have to change a few things. Matter of fact, maybe if quite a few things in order for us to be the effective kind of redemption society. That's what we talk about. We talk about being redeemed, about being born again, about having a new creature in Christ, and things like this. Are we just talking about it? Are we really showing through our lives that we really believe it? If we really believe what we're talking about, then we're going to act like it. We're going to look like it. People may wonder what's going on, but at least they will know that we are different. The Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean things. Then the Lord will receive us and we'll be his sons and be his daughters. But we need to be different. There's nothing wrong with being different. We don't have to assinuate, assimilate into the rest of society. A part of our trouble is we thought that we were supposed to get along. And yes, we do need to get along, but not at the expense of our convictions, of our God-given convictions. 
God does give us things to do. He does have a lifestyle for us to live. He does have work for us to do in this day and age as well as any other. And if we do the work in God's way, in God's time, then we will be able to make a difference in our society. If we have any questions today about as to whether we should make a difference, all we have to do is look around and see the degradation. See the things that are happening all around us. People even getting so depressed, they commit suicide. That should never be. The Lord has joy and peace and, and lasting love and, and the fruit of the Spirit that we're calling the rivers of living water. God has that for everyone. He doesn't have just one particular group that he sets off and, and uh, sorry about the rest of you. No, that's not the way God operates. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that everyone should turn from their destructive lifestyle and come into a, a lifestyle that is fitted with what God wants us to do. And the beautiful thing about it is that not only does God tell us what to do, he helps us to do it. The Bible tells us that God works in us, helping us to will and do of his good pleasure. It also tells us that the Holy Spirit that lives within every child of God, every Christian, that he guides us into all truth. He leads us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we're considered the children of light. That, When we talk about light, we're talking about the opposite of darkness. We describe darkness by absence of light. The less light we have, the darker it is. I heard of people going down into a a cave and the lights were turned out and it was so dark that people were losing their equilibrium and things like that. You know, the darker it is, the more we lose our direction. We need to be able, through the grace and the help of God, to keep our direction. We need to have a vision. We need to have a compassion. And the church will never be anything to the world or anyone else, including themselves, if they don't make these changes that we're going to be talking about in this particular time of our getting together. Now is the time for the church to rise up and prove that the love of God is the greatest thing in this world. When we were yet sinners, when we were fighting against God, when we didn't care anything about God or anything else, Jesus came and died for us. It was the only way that we could have the life that God gives us because every sin, every transgression, Everything that's against God has to be paid for one way or another. 
God doesn't have favorites, like I said. So if we commit sin, there has to be someone that pays for it. We can't pay for it because we don't have anything to give. All we have is a life that is full of darkness. And what we need is light in our life. So we can't pay for it. So who paid for it? The only one in the universe, the one that was perfect, that had no sin. And Jesus had no sin, and he has no sin. So that is what makes it so beautifully and so wonderful, is that Jesus came and paid the debt that we owed. When people do that for us, we really appreciate that, don't we? If we owned a large sum of money, for example, and someone would come and write a check for that, wouldn't we appreciate that? But what God has done through the Lord Jesus is much more than writing a check for a debt that we have. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. When we're out there just doing our thing and disrespecting God and his ways and his work and all of those kind of attitudes that we take when we don't know God, we're far away from him. We, We get lost in the shuffle. And there's nothing really we can do about it. It just seems to be a downward spiral. But then Jesus comes and lifts us out of that. You know, back in the Old Testament, David said that God lifted him out of the deep miry clay. Like a quick, like quicksand, you know. If you ever fall into quicksand, you're not going to be able to pull yourself up. You're going to need someone to throw your rope or do something to help you to get out of that. And it's the same way with the, with the Lord. It's kind of like we're in quicksand and we're sinking. And it's in that, what the Bible refers to as deep mari clay. And yet, Jesus came that he might lift us out of that. Isn't that wonderful to know? You can know God personally. That's the beautiful thing about it. I've known the Lord for over 50 years now. And it I might tell you that it gets bigger and better as it goes along. And you become more like Jesus as you go along. And so we're not cantankerous people, but we are determined people. We're not going to set aside and watch the world go to a devil's hell and just say, if that's what you chose to do, we'll go and do it. No, that's not the attitude of a Christian. A Christian wants to get out there and be zealous of good works. They're going to help those that are depressed. They're going to help the ones that are, are lonely, the, especially the older people and the widows the Bible talks about, those that can't help themselves. So much of what is done today is, I'll do a favor for you, and you do one for me. No, the Christian doesn't work on that level. The Christian says, I'll do a favor for you, whether you can do anything for me or not. And that's the attitude that we take. We're out there doing good work. Jesus is our example. The Bible tells us that Jesus went about doing good works and 
delivering those who were afflicted by the devil. And we do have an enemy that we fight, and it's not people. It's a spiritual enemy. And so we don't fight with weapons of this world. We don't cut people up in pieces and things like that. But we fight on our knees. We pray. We pray for other people. And we fight with the Word of God. The Word of God is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. And we fight with our faith. We're faithful. And we're, uh, we stand up for the Lord all the time. It isn't just a part of a thing that we do. You know, we're ready for our first break. And so I'm Howard Eugene Wright, and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Welcome back. We're having a discussion today about what does the church, where is the church's place in our society today? Some people think that it's not anywhere, that the church has lost its usefulness, that the Bible isn't relevant for this day and age, and things like that. Well, what made it not relevant? You look at the Bible and you find the same kind of stories in there that we're having today. You see some of the greatest people in the Bible messing up from time to time and things like that. Now, if this was a book written just by people, the messing up times would probably have been left out. But God tells the whole truth about everything. And so it's very relevant for today. And the church should be relevant, too. But if the church has just kind of gone in with the crowd, then naturally it isn't relevant. But there is something that the church can do that no other organization can do. And so we need to get sort of like we would say, get with the program. Let's get in there and let's make a difference. For if there's any time that the church needs to stand up and be the church, be the pillar and the ground of the truth. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and direct you in the way that he wants you to go. And I'll guarantee you, God will lead you in the way that he wants you to go if you're listening. Sometimes God speaks to us just through a still, small voice. And we have to be careful to listen. Sometimes the voices that we hear that are thundering voices are not necessarily God's voices. And we can't, we can't just go the way we feel. We can't go on our impulses. The Lord gave us a brain to use. He gave us a heart to use. And we can't just go on our feelings. The, one of the problems today is that people say if it feels good, do it. I just want you to know it might feel good for a while, but it might have a, a bitter, bite at the end. But what we do for God is more than just feeling good. What we do for God is good. And what we do for God is more than just happiness. It's joy. The Bible refers to it as joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then we have the peace. 
that Jesus gives. And Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. And so we have a peace that no one else has, and we need to take that out to the world. We need to take that out to people. We we need to show it in our lives to start with. People aren't going to really believe us too much if every time something happens to us that we don't, it's kind of adverse, we, we fall all apart. What kind of faith is that? The Lord wants us to wait upon him. The Bible tells us if we wait upon the Lord that God will renew our strength, we'll mount up with wings like eagles, we'll soar to the heights. In other words, we'll walk and we'll not faint, we'll run and we'll not grow weary. When we have God giving us the strength and the power to do everything that we need to do, it's not a chore, it's not a bore, it's a wonderful privilege that we have of getting out there into all the world and letting people know that there is a better hope, there's a better way, and we shouldn't feel embarrassed about that. We shouldn't feel like we should be mum and dumb on something like that, should we? We should get out there and, and do it. And we don't have to look very far to see people that need the love and the joy and the peace and all the fruit of the Spirit that I'm talking about. We all need it. It doesn't make any difference how long we've been Christians or how long we've been sinners. I've heard of people coming to the Lord in the last days of their life. I've had people like that in my family that have done that. I had one cousin that he was in the, the, uh, in the ICR unit, and my pastor and I was standing beside of him, and we said, he wasn't a Christian yet, we said, do you want to be a Christian? He said, yes. And before we could do anything else, he was gone. Some people think, well, I can just wait to the last moment. I'll just do what I want to do. I'll be what I want to be, and I'm not going to let uh, anything stop me. But, you know, you never know. You just never know. Getting car accidents, young people do that as, as well as old people. And might step out in the road and get run over a car. We don't know. Might have a heart attack. So it's always best to be ready. But what I want you to know is that it's never too late. That right to your last breath, like that cousin of mine, you can know the Lord. Now, I don't know if he's in heaven or not. The Lord's the only one that knows that. And we can't run around with a thermometer sticking it in someone else's mouth and and finding out whether they've got a temperature or not. We, we've got to take care of our own self first. We've got to stand before the Lord and, and let him tell us what he wants us to do and let him show our faults to us so we can get better and things like this. The Bible tells us not to judge other people. It tells us that if we've got a, a beam, a big board in our eye, and we try to pull a splinter out of someone else's eye, then there's something wrong with that picture. We need to get our own selves straightened out before we go out trying to 
get someone else straightened out. But once we've gotten to the Lord, once we've got our lives where we ought to be with the Lord, then we can go out with God and we can let him open up ways for us that we can be a witness to him. You know, Jesus told the disciples that they were to stay in the upper room. They didn't mind staying in the upper room because when Jesus was brutally killed like that, they ran for hiding. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was arrested, they they took off. And Jesus told them that they would ahead of time, but that's what happened. They were in the upper room all right, but Jesus said something else. You stay there until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is is the third person of the Trinity. We don't see Trinity mentioned in the Bible, but we see it all over the Bible. And I could tell you a little about some of those things as well that would show the Trinity, but the Holy Spirit is is the third person of the Trinity. Now, that doesn't mean that he's less important than the others. That doesn't mean third in rank, because the Holy Spirit... Uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are equal in every detail. They've been around for the beginning of eternity and the end of eternity. They'll always be here. But the Holy Spirit working in us, helping us to do the things that he wants us to do. So he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So they waited. They were glad to wait. But you know when... The Holy Spirit came. They had a boldness. They, the Lord had given them a special gift of speaking in other languages. Now, that doesn't mean that that's for us today, but he gave it to them because there was, there was 15 different nationalities there. And the amazing thing was they said, you know, we hear these people speaking in our own language. But it was more than that, because the Greek word was dialectos, where we get our word dialect. So if they came from the south, they would be hearing them in the south language. If they came from up in the bronze area, they'd be hearing that way. They came from China or, or England or Germany or wherever, they would be hearing them in that exact language. The Lord took that moment and propagated the gospel to all of those people. Then they went back to their homes and they told it about everyone else, you know. That's the way God worked. So when they came out of the upper room, they were different people. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you really want to know what happened after that, read the book of Acts in the Bible and you'll see what God did with a handful of people. There was 120 people in that upper room. And those 120 people, can you imagine what would happen if all those 120 people came out and speaking in a different language? I don't think anyone would have understood what they were saying. But the Lord opened up the ears of those people at that particular time so that they could hear the message real clear. And... Some people thought they were drunk. You know, some people thought one thing and something else. And But the truth of the matter is, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so, um, isn't it wonderful to know that this is just for us today? We're going to be talking more about some of these things in our other segments where uh, it looks like we're getting close to our second time. We'll, so just think about this for a while. The church needs to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. It needs to be doing God's work. And I'll be talking more about this in our next segments, but let's do it. The church needs to be the most valuable unit in the whole society. Let's get out there and do it. I'm going to uh, sign off for now for this time, and and we'll come back. And so this is Howard Eugene Wright and Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. In this part, we want to talk about what it is that has weakened the church to the place that you can't hardly tell the difference between the church and everyone else. This should have never been. It definitely wasn't at the beginning, as I was telling you, and as you read the book of Acts, you'll realize that what the church was really like. You know, the people of that day, they really got rattled up. They they said the people that are turning the world upside down have come here too. And everywhere they went, they either had um, moving of God's Spirit in such a way that people turned to God, we call that a revival, or they had a riot. Sometimes they had both. But they wasn't out there trying to cause riots. They wasn't out there trying to stir up people like that. But the message of Christ is so powerful that people can't just sit by and and be idle. They either have to accept it or reject it. The message that we have that the church is supposed to be giving the world in precept and example is so powerful and so wonderful that when it's given, people will either embrace it, they'll thank you for it, and I've had that a lot recently when I've talked to people about the Lord. They've, they've thanked me over and over again for taking the time to tell them. I see that there's a lot of people who want the church to be the church. And I believe they're pretty disappointed that they're not. So what is it that has caused the church to be so powerless? It sure wasn't that way in the beginning. On the first day, when the disciples came down from that upper room, there was 3,000 people that turned to the Lord. And then... After that, it wasn't very long after that, that there was another 5,000 that turned to the Lord. And no wonder they were saying they that came here are turning the world upside down too. And there was a lot of opposition. There always is when 
when God is working and moving, there's always opposition. And we can either take that and strive, or we can try to get along with, with people and, and tone down our message. Why would we want to tone, tone down the message? That's what they need. But after a while, I said there was a great multitude that no one could count. The Jerusalem had been transformed. There was a person by the name of Philip. He went down to Samaria. And there was a guy down there that was fooling people. And they thought he was a great man of God. Until Philip went down there and preached Jesus to him. And they turned to the Lord Jesus. And the guy that was fooling them, he turned to the Lord too. But he had a wrong idea about it. And he had to be reprimanded. But he also turned to the Lord. You know, and, and you know what the Bible tells us? It said there was great joy in that city. That's the result. When people turn to the Lord, there's great joy. There's great peace. There's, there's a new thing that happens that can't happen any other way. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And, you know, that's, that's in, uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, if you'd like to look it up. But, you know, that's the way God meant it to be. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They didn't mean we go out there and preach the gospel to dogs and cats and things like that. No, he's talking about people. He's talking about going out there and preaching the gospel to everyone. And we have the technology today to do that. I'm sitting right here in my office and talking to you, and I have the potential of reaching over 2 billion people with this. And I know that there's hundreds of you that are coming and listening to it, and and uh, maybe before not much longer we'll have thousands that just keep going up. But we have the potential to sit right here like I am and tell the world about Jesus. I think if Peter, James, and John had had something like that, they would have done more than turn Jerusalem upside down and the known Roman Empire. They would have turned the world upside down. But before... We can do that. We have to be turned upside down. We've compromised too long. We've compromised the things that we shouldn't have. We've given up too much. We have relinquished too much. We have tried to be peacemakers while we've been tore in pieces. And it's time for us to be peacemakers, as the Lord told us to. He said, blessed are those that are peacemakers, for they're the children of God. But when we're talking about peacemakers, we're not talking about compromising everything and that kind of a thing. We're talking about helping people, first of all, helping ourselves to have peace with God. And then we're helping people to have peace with one another. And 
we're not out there tearing everything to pieces like so many are. But the more we become like the world and and uh, the crowd that we're trying to help, the less we're going to be able to do it. We just need to get up and quit trying to associate, should I say, that we should uh, placate. Uh, no, that's not the kind of thing we do at all. If that had been what they'd have done back there, we wouldn't have Christianity today. Now, like I said, Christianity is proclaiming Christ. And when we have people in the church that want to take the the battle uh, songs out of the hymnal, and we want to take the blood out of the hymnal, and we don't want to call people to repentance because that makes them, might make them mad and they wouldn't want to come back, and that kind of a thing. And the truth of the matter is, if we don't stand up for God, they don't take us too seriously and they don't even come. The church needs to call people to repentance like, like the Lord told us to. But not in the attitude that I'm so glad I'm better than you. No, it's not that kind of an attitude at all. And so we can go to one extreme to another. We can just try to get along and just let everything go like it is, or we can kind of stand up on our soapbox and and uh, say, uh, I'm a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. I'm sorry about you. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm sorry you're going to hell. And just go like that. But no, that's not the way we're supposed to do. And so we need to quit compromising. We need to to have a vision. That's part of our trouble, too. We don't envision what the church really is. We have so just kind of mangled with everything else that we really don't know what the church is. And I've heard people say, if that's Christianity, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I usually tell them, yes, if that's Christianity, I don't want to have anything to do with it either. And I'm not going to have anything to do with it because... Jesus is the most loving person in the world. And you become like the one that you love. If you love Jesus, if you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then it's easy for you to love your neighbor as yourself and to have a healthy respect for yourself. But we can't just stand up and and beat people over the head. You know, people talk about being beat over the head with the Bible. Well, we have to show them the truth, but we need to do it in a loving kind of a way. And there is a way of doing that by living the life yourself. Let people see that not only what you're talking about, but it makes a big difference in your life. Is your kind of Christianity doing anything for you? Is it doing anything for the community? Is it is your kind of preaching, if you're a preacher today, is it really helping you? Is it just numbing people? You know, people can be what we call gospel-hardened. They can hear a certain amount of it, and they think they've heard it all. But we need 
to be directed by the Holy Spirit. So here's another thing. When people are preaching, they should have a call of God to do that. If they're just doing it because they think it's some other job, just like, you know, just like a, a doctor or a lawyer or, or maybe someone that works at a factory and uh, some people like to do that and I thought I'd just do that. No, there's a difference. People who are standing up in the pulpit and preaching should be called by the Lord to do that. And if you're just standing up there parroting the newspaper rather than the Bible and talking about the latest thing that that uh, we need to be thinking of, of the world, then you're really not doing anyone any good. And if that's the case, in all kindness, you should get out and let God bring in a, a good man of God that will preach the truth in love and will stand by his people. You know, a, a good church is one where everyone loves everyone else. I pastored for a number of years, and some of the churches I pastored in, there were people that thought they owned the church. We don't own the church. Jesus owns the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if we think that we can just build the church, we really can't. God is the one that builds the church through us, and we'll talk a little more about that in the last segment. But isn't it, isn't it uh, time for us to step out of the sleepiness we're in, wake up, get up, and go out and do something for God and for the people around you? Not just go through the motions. But let it get into your heart, not just your mind, but also your heart and in all of your life. Well, we're at our last break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. This is Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Well, we're back with the last part of our segment today, and I I trust that some things that I've said to you are going to be very helpful to you. But, you know, where does the church get its power? Where is the power of the church, anyhow? I think a good part of the reason why that the church is so powerless to help today is because of its lack of purity, its lack of drive, its lack of really wanting to get out there and doing something for someone else. We have gone the way of the world, and the Bible tells us in James 4, 4, that the one that is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And so we we have to... Realize, and, and what are we talking about the world? We're talking about the people who are fighting God, the people who are going their own way and doing their own thing. We can't be a part of that. And then the Bible also talks about the old carnal spirit. And 
so much of the church today says, oh, we got to live with that. That's tied up with our flesh life. No, it's not. You can be purified in Christ. You can have a perfect love that casts out fear. And when we're talking about perfection, Christian perfection, we're talking about a life of holiness. And when we're talking about a life of holiness, we're talking about a life of purity. We're not phony. We're not just putting on a show. There's been too much of that. We've we've had churches of people wallow in the aisles and, and they whoop it up and all this kind of a thing. And when they walk out the door, they're the same as they were when they came in. We've had way too much of that. We need a purity. We need people to be pure in Christ Jesus. We need for that old carnal spirit to be taken out. We need for the Holy Spirit to be given full right away in our lives. You know, we have two definite things that God does for us in order to bring us to this experience that I'm talking to you today. One of them we refer to as as being regenerated or converted or born again or those kind of expressions. And the other one is we call sanctification, holiness, heart purity, and things like that. And these are two different things. The first thing is that we are taking, we take care of our own particular sin that we did. Every one of us did something. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So none of us are out of that. I know that I sure wasn't. And so we come to the place where we get on our face before God. We ask Him to forgive us, ask Him to come into our lives. And so at that time, we have the Holy Spirit. But then when we go on into perfection, the Bible talks to us about, then uh, the old man is crucified that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we're not a servant to sin. If we so much of the church today is saying, oh, I've got to, we've got to live this way. There's nothing we can do about it. And what a pitiful condition. I don't think anyone would want something like that. I know I sure wouldn't. And why should we? You know, there, there's something much better than that. If we're ever going to do anything for God and have the, the power that we need in order to get the job done, we're going to have to have a pure life. We're going to have to be delivered from the old carnal spirit. Now, that can be done regardless of how many people tell you that it can't. Read your Bible. The Bible tells us very clearly that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the Bible also tells us if we're serving God, we don't commit sin. And it's not us that's, that's saving ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit that I've been talking to you about that comes in and changes us. The Holy Spirit comes in and tabernacles in our life. And as we have this purity, which enables us to have a vision for the people around us that have needs, they have spiritual needs, they also have physical needs, they have emotional needs. And when God does something, when the church does something, we don't just take care of the spiritual needs, we take care of the other needs too. So we might be out there helping people that are poor. Our biggest problem was is when we let the government take over everything that we that the church should be doing. 
the church should be out there feeding people, and there are some churches that do. There should, there's, the church should be out there making sure that people are clothed. And that's what, isn't that what Jesus said? He said, go out there, and he said, feed the sick. He said, said, uh, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, feed those people that are hungry, do all these things. And that was one of the requirements for people getting into heaven. There was one group that didn't do it and one that did. And they said, well, when did we see you doing this? And he said, in as much as you did it to one of my brethren, you did it to me or one of my sisters, too. The Lord doesn't have a gender problem. He, When we see the word man in the Bible, we're talking about the human race, men, women, boys, and girls. And there are so many things that we can't allow the, the government to do it. We can't allow uh, other ones to do it because that's what God called us to do, and we're the best to do it. But in order to do that, we have to have a pure heart. And if we have a pure heart, we have pure motives. We're not doing it just to be seen. We're, we're doing it to lift up the Lord Jesus, to lift people up. We have a genuine love for people. We have a genuine concern for their needs, whatever those needs may be. We're out there doing it. You might not wonder, where are the Christians at? Well, the real Christians are out there helping people to, in their needs. I have a master's degree in counseling, and I've counseled people. Every time I get a chance, I'll do that. And the counseling I've done has helped people that others couldn't help. I had one woman like that that, you know, that she went everywhere trying to find help, and we were able to help her just like that because God does have the answer. We have the one who has the answer for every need today. Some of the crazy answers that we have seen and some of the things that's passed off as loving service is enough to make any decent person sick. And it's about time that the church gets up and lets God take care of the sin problem in their life and then to have the vision, to have the concern, to have everything that you need in your life in order to be effective in your service for God. And it isn't about us. It isn't really about the church. It's about people. It's about people in needs. It's about people who need God. And if you don't believe that, then there's something badly wrong. That's the crying need today. People need the love of God. They need the forgiveness of God. They need the gentle touch of the Holy Spirit on their lives. They need to be clean. You know, people are living in guilt today. They're, they're just ridden with the things that they have done. And the beautiful thing about it, when they come to Jesus and they confess those sins and ask the Lord to come in, God lifts that guilt off of their life. They're not guilty anymore because Jesus paid the debt. He paid the whole debt. He didn't just pay part of it. He didn't just come to make you feel good. He made you come to feel wonderful. And 
That doesn't mean that you don't have problems from time to time, but you do. But if you have a friend that sticks closer than the brother, the Lord Jesus himself, then it makes it a lot easier in life. I know this from personal experience. We all go through problems and difficulty. But when is the church going to separate itself from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and let themselves be pure in Christ Jesus and go out there under the power of the Holy Spirit, just like the early disciples did, and turn our world upside down for Jesus too? The problem is the world has turned the church upside down. We've listened to the world to tell us what to do. They said we couldn't pray in Jesus any name, any, in Jesus name anymore. So we said, okay, well, we won't do it. They said we don't want the Bible and prayer in our schools anymore. And we said, all right, well, we won't have Bible and prayer in our schools anymore. And we've gone on and on like that. When are we ever going to stop? When is the church going to be the church and stand up and do what God calls us to do? If any time we need to do this, it's now. If we haven't figured it out yet, things are starting to unravel pretty quickly. And the farther people get away from God, the more it's going to be unraveling. And so we need, we need to bring the redemptive message of Christ that will clean people up, people who really come to God and really let him have his way. It's amazing what happens. Alcoholics, derelicts of all different kinds and descriptions, a complete turnaround. That's what we can have in Christ Jesus. We can have it if the church will again be the pillar and the ground of the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. We can have it, people, but let's do something about it today. We can't have it if we keep on like we are. We've got to make some changes, and we've got to do it today while we have a chance to do so because things are getting worse by the moment, and we do have the one who has the answer. I believe we're just about at the end here, and I appreciate you coming, and and I trust that you'll do this. And remember my books that I have that uh, have been advertised, and these will be a great help to you. But So go out there and let God have his way. Thank you again for coming. So this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water signing off for this time. And we're at TalkZone.com. 